0: want to begin this morning by asking you three questions. First, do you think it would be of help to you in your Christian life to know how Jesus has identified with you and how much he is for you in your struggle with sin? You think that would help you? Would it be encouraging for you to know how closely Jesus has identified himself to you and with you and is for you in your struggle with sin? Think about the the darkest hours in your battle with sin. Think about the sins you hate, the sins that, that you have committed and that you continue to struggle with. Might that help you to know how closely Christ has identified with you and how He is near you and He is for you and wants to help you in your struggle? Here's the next question. Do you think it might help you in your Christian life if your prayer life was more like Jesus' prayer life during His earthly ministry? That's a no-brainer, right? Right? You think it might help you in your spiritual life to be reminded of the fact that through Christ you are in right relationship with God? and that you are able to commune with him through Jesus. And do you think it'd benefit you spiritually if you delighted in that, if you longed to commune with God through Christ? Do you think it'd be, be good for you spiritually if you were more disciplined in the practice of prayer and if you were devoted to spending time with your heavenly Father like Christ was during his earthly ministry? Third question. Do you think that it might benefit you spiritually to know how much your Heavenly Father loves you? To know how much He delights in you, in that He takes pleasure in you, the way He demonstrates and pours out His affection and love upon you. Do you think it would be helpful for you spiritually to be reminded of that? There are lots of people who who struggle in this life with sensing and believing that they are truly loved. Oftentimes, those, those people, they question God's love and affection for them. So how beneficial would that be for you spiritually to know the great love of your Heavenly Father and to believe it? And, and sense that it is so, the great love He has for you. If so, the passage we're going to study this morning is for you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 3. We're in Luke, continuing through Luke. We're in the second... Section of the uh, book of Luke entitled Jesus's Preparation for Ministry. We're continuing with the ministry of John the Baptist. Remember last week the text ended with him being arrested by Herod for his harsh words against him. But before John's arrest, we come to the pinnacle of his ministry. His meeting and baptizing Jesus. Now, as we come to this story, there is a question that should come to mind right away that often does when they read this story, and it's this. Why was Jesus baptized? Why was he baptized? It's a good question to ask. It's one that John the Baptist himself asked. Remember, he he first wanted to know why Jesus needed to be baptized and why it was him that needed to do the baptizing and not the other way around. Remember, John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. Of the two, who's the sinner? John, right? So this question, it's, it's valid. This is why John says to Jesus, Lord, I don't need to be baptizing you. You need to be baptizing me. Well, we are going to be discussing the reason why this morning as we discuss this story. And we're also going to learn by the little that Luke gives us here, And these two verses how Jesus's baptism helps us spiritually while we find this account of Jesus's baptism in all four Gospels Luke's account is the shortest which should surprise us right because it seems like mark is the gospel writer in a hurry He's the one that's hurrying. He's the one that's really brief and to the point. And Luke is the one who includes all the, all the details, but not here. Only two verses in this passage. So last week we covered 20. This week we're covering two, all right? It's a little change, but uh, we just follow the way the passage breaks down. And so that's what we're doing here. What we're going to learn here from what Luke gives us, based upon what he gives us here, we're going to learn how Jesus's baptism helps believers spiritually let me let me read this passage for you and then we will discuss what we learned here Luke chapter 3 verse 21 hear the word of the Lord now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Notice three ways studying Luke's account of Jesus' baptism helps us spiritually. Number one, Jesus' baptism reminds us that Jesus has identified with us. Look at verse 21 again. Now, when all the people, underline all the people, now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus, underlined when Jesus, also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were open. Notice here again how brief Luke is here when describing the baptism of Jesus. Matthew gives us five verses, Mark gives us three verses, John gives us four or five verses explaining the events around Jesus' baptism and the aftermath of Jesus' baptism. Luke really just gives us one verse here about the baptism. He says, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized, that's it. He doesn't even mention who baptized Jesus. We we learn from the other gospel accounts that that it's John the Baptist. And we know that that in Luke chapter 3, the focus is on John's ministry here. So we can put two and two together. But he doesn't even mention him here by name as the one baptizing Jesus and really just mentions Jesus' baptism in passing here in verse 21. But Luke is zeroing in on something specific. Writers in the Bible, they do things with what they say. That's very important for you to realize when you're studying the Bible, to ask the question, what is he doing with what he is saying? We all do things with what we say. We mean certain things when we say certain things, and the gospel writers are the same way. Luke is zeroing in on something specific about Jesus' baptism, And that is that his baptism, it's simply this, that his baptism were were like all the other baptisms before him of of John the Baptist. Now, there's some different things that come after Jesus' baptism. We'll talk about it in a moment. But his was like all the others who had been baptized by John. Luke is zeroing in on the fact that Jesus, through his baptism, identified himself with other sinners in baptism. Think about it. What's significant about John's baptism? We talked about it last week. We just talked about it a moment ago. It's a baptism of repentance. Of all those who had come to be baptized by John, they did so because of their sin. By being baptized by John the Baptist, they were recognizing their sinfulness and their need. In this baptism, they are acknowledging their sinfulness and they're confessing that sin. They're making it known. They're they're repenting of that sin. They're showing their need to be forgiven and cleansed. Luke is saying here, they they were baptized for this reason. And then he says, Jesus too was also baptized. So when we read this, our our mind should just explode with that question of why. Why was he baptized? Was there something flawed in Jesus? What is he telling us by being baptized and having John do it? Well, first and foremost, we must conclude it wasn't because he was a sinner, right? Just read the rest of the book if you have problems with that. That wasn't the case. He didn't need to be forgiven of sins. He has no sin to confess. Luke makes that crystal clear in his gospel. So why be baptized? To identify with sinners. The baptism of Jesus shows Jesus' identification with sinners like you and me. He was baptized not because he was a sinner, but because we all are. When Jesus appears to John, John says of Jesus when he sees him, look. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How is he going to do that, John? Well, Jesus shows us through being baptized. He's going to do it by identifying with sinners in order to save sinners. This is as close a- an identification with sinners that Jesus shows in his earthly ministry other than his incarnation becoming one of us and at the cross when he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Apart from him becoming one of us, giving his life for us, this is one of the the greatest examples of Christ identifying with Sinners, Folks, do you realize what this truth means? Christ has closely identified with sinners like you and me in order to rescue sinners like you and me. Those sins you hope no one ever discovers, your deepest and darkest shame, your greatest humiliation, your most serious offense, Jesus is saying here, I have come to take that on for you so that if you look to me and trust in me and believe on me and put your faith in me, you can be set free. Remember what we said last week? The fact that Christ has come to identify with sinners in order to save us, it should show us there is no one too good and no one too far gone. The fact that Christ has come should show us that there is nothing we can do in our own strength to earn a place at God's table in His kingdom. Nothing we can do on our own. We're all a million miles away. There, There is also no one who is beyond saving in Christ. Through Him, we're brought from a million miles away into the presence of Holy God. Through Jesus, If you're here today, you're wondering if God can forgive you for what you've done. Jesus is saying here, I was baptized with the baptism of sinners to show that I have come to identify with sinners to remove sin from sinners from those who are truly repentant and look to me. I have come to take away the sin of the world. I have come to make a way for those guilty of the ugliest and most despicable, humiliating, shameful of sins. I have come so that they can be forgiven and restored to a right relationship with God. So that's the first thing we learn from Jesus' baptism that benefits us spiritually. We learned Jesus was baptized with the baptism of sinners to identify with sinners in order to save sinners. Here's the second thing, number two. Jesus' baptism reminds us that we, through Christ, can enjoy communion with God. Do you enjoy time spent with God? Christ did. You can, too, through Him. You know how we know that that Christ enjoyed communion with God? It's very, very simple. He is constantly spending time with Him. He is living His entire life for Him, telling about Him, communing with Him, communicating to Him. He, He came to us and identified with us so that we too could do the same through Him. Look again at verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, And when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying. Notice the phrase, was praying. Seems like a small thing here, but it's a major emphasis in Luke's gospel. Jesus enjoyed a rarely interrupted, perfect, loving, and joyous relationship with his Father, and we can too, through Christ. That's why Jesus came. That is something else we're reminded of here at his baptism he identified with us to accomplish this work so that we through him could commune with the father and he exampled what that is to look like in our spiritual life by his life here we see him praying at his baptism and we will see him again and again and again communing with and communicating to his heavenly father luke highlights this over and over again in Luke 5, 16, we're told Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Luke 6, 12, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray. Luke 9.18, Jesus was praying alone. Luke 9.28, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. Luke 11, 1, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Luke twenty two thirty one. 31, Jesus said to Peter before he was arrested, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Luke twenty two forty one. 41, and Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Verse 44, and being in agony, Jesus prayed more earnestly. Luke 23, 34, while Jesus is being crucified, he prays, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Verse 46, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. His whole ministry in prayer, all throughout Christ's earthly ministry, all throughout the gospel of Luke, he draws his readers' attention again and again the to Jesus' prayer life. He shows that Jesus had this continual dialogue with this Heavenly Father. He loved communicating with them and communing with them. He, He was disciplined in the practice of prayer, but he also delighted in doing it. It was his greatest desire to do so. He had a deep love and affection for God, for his Father. He longed to be with them. How about you? Can this... Be said of you do you long for God Do you long for him like you should Christ came he lived and died for us so that we could have this type of relationship with the father that is what our soul needs most that unhindered unbroken ongoing relationship with God. Jesus understood this. Jesus modeled this. And he assumed that that would be the same for us. When Jesus taught on prayer, he would tell his followers, when you pray, that's an assumption, right, in Matthew 6, when you pray, Luke 11, 2. Jesus assumed that his followers would be devoted to the practice for these reasons. Luke is is drawing our attention to, to this practice that we all need to be devoted to again consider how that would benefit you spiritually to not simply meditate on the fact that God is closely identified with you through his son do that but also that if you would through Christ enter into the presence of holy God on a regular basis delight in that time seek him to hear from him through his word and and through the leading of His spirit and converse with him in prayer how are you doing in this area of your life are you delighted by the fact that through Christ you have access to the one true and living God and are you enjoying that relationship are you or or are you neglecting that relationship are you making sacrifices in order to maintain it? That's what's meant when we're told in Scripture we're to devote ourselves to prayer. We're to make sacrifices in order to maintain this relationship. You're going to have some challenges this week in your study guide. Be sure and, and look that over, okay? Take time this week to check that out. Here's the third and final lesson we learned from... This account of Jesus's baptism that is beneficial to us spiritually we learn of God's great affection for us Jesus's baptism reminds us of God's great affection for us look at verses 21 and 22 again let me read it again now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying the heavens were opened And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Notice here the great affection that the Father has for His Son. It's what Luke spends most of his words in this small passage here on. When when Jesus is baptized, what happens? The heavens are open. Just like when, when God lights up the night sky with the heavenly host of angels to announce the birth of his son, here he opens the heavens and he speaks down to his created beings on who his son is and the great affection he has for him and the great approval that he has for his Ministry. Notice here in verse 22, it's a Trinitarian passage. We could really camp out here, right, on this doctrine for a while. It'd take up the rest of our time, though. Some say that the teaching of the Trinity, the demonstration of the Trinity, is is never more clearly seen than right here at Jesus' baptism. But others question its validity in Scripture. Some say it's unbiblical. Some just focus in on those those verses and hang them out by themselves that teach that God is one. He is one, but He is also three. You see it as clear as day here as the Son is being baptized. You have the Son being baptized, the Spirit descending, and the Father speaking, right? Right? Three distinct persons doing three distinct things, all are one, in essence, God. Scripture clearly teaches this. There is one God who eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And those three persons live in relationship with one another, have a strong affection for one another, they commune and communicate with one another, and they serve each other and love each other. Notice what the father says to the son. He says, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. He says to Jesus, you are my son. I am pleased with you. I love you. All of my affection is directed toward you. And some of you, you hear that and you say, okay, Graham, I see that here, but what does that have to do with us? How does this teach us about God's affection toward us? I mean, you say in the point here, Jesus's baptism reminds us of God's great affection for us. Well, believers, do you realize that because Christ has identified with you, when you forsake your sin, when you place your faith in Christ alone for salvation, Christ transfers His righteousness to you in exchange for your sinfulness, and you are then from that point forward in Christ. Do you realize that through Christ, being in Him, you are brought into a new relationship with your heavenly Father? And do you also realize that, that all of the benefits that Christ enjoyed We have as well. And and one of those is that the love the Father showed for His Son has been given to us because we're in Him. How about that? Do you realize that because of what God has done for you through His Son, what Christ has accomplished for you through His person and work, God has this great affection for you, for all of those in Christ. He loves you like He loves Jesus. You know how I know that? Because I've read the book. And in the book, God tells us that what is true of Christ is true of all of those in Christ. In his great high priestly prayer, he prayed in John 17, that the world may know that God loved them even as he loved him. The great affection that God has for his son, he has for all who are in his son. How great is that? Now that is a hard truth for some to grasp. As we said at the beginning, many in our world today, they struggle with being truly loved because those who are closest to them hurt them in deep ways, broken promises, abuse by those truly meant to to love you. People, People struggle with this. Listen, believers regardless of whether you feel it or not, doesn't change the fact that you are deeply loved by God in Christ. Doesn't change it at all. It's clearly seen in Scripture. And knowing and embracing that truth, it benefits us spiritually. It it grows us. It helps us. Listen, if you have a difficult time believing God loves you that much, here's what God has to say to you. Look at the cross. You see the cross? The cross is not just to remind us that that God has secured for us an everlasting redemption. He has done that, but it is also the display of God's great and costly love for us that He demonstrated for us and laying his son down. Paul tells us that in Romans 5 eight. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he sent Christ to die for us, right? It's a great picture of how God loves us. He loves us. This much. He sent his precious son for us. He laid him down for us. Jesus went willingly to Calvary for us. Laid his life down for us. He who was rich became poor so that we by his poverty might become rich. God did it so that we through his son could become sons. He did it for us so that his words to Christ at his baptism, watch this, could be said of us. He sent Christ to die so that he, through Christ, could look upon us and say, you are my beloved children. With you I am well pleased. How about that? Are you confident that God is viewing you in that way today, can say that of you? Are you a son or daughter of the one true and living God? Are you in right relationship with? With him. God did not send his son to be a way, but the way. Christ is the only way for you to be made right with God. It's the only way for you to be forgiven of sin and restored to a right relationship with God. Have you turned from your sin? Are you trusting in God's son alone for your salvation? Is Christ Lord of your life? If not, now's the time. Today's the day for that decision. To be made. Listen, you can move from darkness to light, from death to life today if you would give your life up and over to Jesus Christ. I pray you would right now. If you have not, if you're not trusting in Christ, bow to King Jesus today. Give your life to him, make him Lord, and be saved. Let's pray together.